Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is February 10th, 2022. You probably don't care that it's February 10th. You might care. It is, it was, and always will be deadline day. Yes, a trade between the Cavs and the Pacers, the biggest one for us. It happened a couple of days ago. We're going to get to that. We're going to break down every single trade. Fun fact on the deadline, and you'll hear both these trades, both Domon Tassabonis and Derek White played their final games for their old teams against the Cavs. I guess so did Torrey Craig. So did a, a ton of guys did. Not, not as important as those two. It's just funny how it works. I once saw Jeff Green. I saw Jeff Green's last game as a Celtic when he was playing against the Nets. It's always funny how the farewell games work. I also saw one of Tyrese Halliburton's last games as a king. Didn't expect that to be the case at all. But again, reactions to come. But folks, without further ado, we introduce today's guest. We're talking about every single trade. If a team traded peanuts for Cracker Jacks, we would still discuss it because it was a trade made as long as it was made as part of the NBA's trade deadline. The big shout out to the Orlando Magic before we introduce today's guest. They actually created a graphic saying, welcome to Orlando, cash considerations. And I'd say that was the best moment of the day, even better than that trade those two teams made in the East that are both trying to beat the Cavs, who probably won't succeed in doing so, should it come to that. But they both got better. Today's guest, he was with me for the finals. He's with me for deadline day. It is Noah Nightingale. It is great to have you back, cuz. It is great to be here. What what a day this was. Uh, anytime it's NBA trade deadline, it's always exciting. But both of our teams did a lot of things today or in the last few uh, few days. So I'm excited to talk. Let's get going. Yeah. So, folks, if you did not tune in during the NBA finals when it was only the only two teams were left, of course, Phoenix and Milwaukee, Noah, a big Celtics fan. So we will be addressing those trades. So Noah's, Noah, I mean, real quick. No specifics yet. Are you happy with how your team did today? I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely thrilled. And it's shocking because when the Celtics made that deal with the Spurs, my first reaction, one of the first people I actually spoke to was you. And I said, I'm sad. And I, and I really was sad. But it took me about 10, 15, 20 minutes to sort of take it all in and process everything that happened. And I instantly was a lot happier. And so overall, Brad Stevens on your first official trade deadline as a general manager bravo you did a fantastic job yeah so brad stevens not the coach he is the front office man now he is the danny ainge and he did all right but yeah so noah's going to join me on the bigger trades i'm going to break down the smaller ones going to be some of both like we said you're going to get a grade on every single trade except for one which does not have a clear second asset involved but the first trade, which was made a few days ago, it might have actually been last week, might have been Monday. I honestly can't remember at this point. It was between the Clippers and the Blazers. There were five players and a pick involved. The Clippers acquiring Norman Powell and Robert Covington from Portland in exchange for Eric Bledsoe. His second 10 years cut short. Rookie Keon Johnson and a guy that is still in the league, believe it or not. You may have missed him because his role is extremely inconsistent now justice winslow plus a future second round pick this is a pretty easy a plus for the clippers they shed Bledsoe's contract he'd been inconsistent plus you like them they like amir coffee a lot they keep his minutes on the up and up by trading Bledsoe. you know and then you bring in norman powell who still have him for three more years at a reasonable price after he re-signed in portland following the gary trent trade it's very clear toronto won that trade good for them He's traded around the deadline last year because they didn't think they'd be able to pay him, but they paid Powell. A lot of questionable moves from that organization. Plus, Robert Covington, say what you will. I mean, very good defender. He's hit a couple threes. Doesn't need to do much. I mean, he'll probably play some of Batum's minutes. And Batum was, he's just pretty much Batum, but a better defender. This team has a very good look to them right now. They made one other move we'll get to later. So they get an A plus from me. You get two legitimate guys without having to shed anybody that makes you the team you are you don't know when pg's coming back if he's coming back you're probably not getting Kawhi, so they can address having too many wings next year but for right now this is great for the portland ugh, i don't like any of these acquisitions justice is starting right now 
I like the trade we're going to get to next, or two trades away, and which they made with New Orleans, but I really don't like this one for them. They get a D-plus. Future second-round pick means nothing because they're not going to draft Draymond Green, Carlos Boozer, or Jordan Clarkson with it, among many guys I could have named from second-round picks. All right, Noah. Next trade, Pacers and the Cavs. Ricky Rubio and two or rather three future picks going to Indiana and Cleveland getting Karis Levert as a non-Cavs fan, as a Hoops fan. How do you view this trade first from Indiana's side? Do you think that this gives them a little flexibility now that they have an added pick to maybe use as an asset? Absolutely. Uh, for the Pacers this year, it wasn't really going anywhere personally, or at least for them. I think also looking at the other moves that they made, it's very clear that this team now has a direction that they're going for. Uh, so we'll, it'll be interesting to see what they'll do with the, with these pieces that they acquired over the next few years. But to me, it, they didn't really need much in return. Obviously I think, I think, I mean, maybe you can agree yourself, but I honestly expect Ricky Rubio to probably make his way back to Cleveland next year, uh, even so Overall, and as a pace on the Pacers side, this actually wasn't a bad deal. They didn't really lose a lot and they gained some assets. So, yeah, they certainly did. You know, they're trying to build it up to be as good as they were during Rick Carlisle's first tenure. And we're still a solid team during his earlier 2000s appearance as head coach. And for Cleveland, Noah, they bring in Karis Levert. He was moved last year in the James Harden deal. Now he then he gets moved again. And it seems like twice the Cavs took a former net and got them without having to sacrifice very much. I love, 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 love this deal for Cleveland because clearly this was a team that losing Colin Sexton and then they also also now lost Rick Rubio. This was a team that needed a... He's about his averages, what, under 19 points a game. It's not really shooting that well from three this year, but I think having the ball in Levert's hand really makes him a much better player. Out of Karis Levert than you would if he was playing off the ball. So I think in his role that he'll be in now with Cleveland, I think it's going to work perfectly. And yeah, uh, I think they got an incredible asset. Um. Very excited about this move. Unfortunately, guys, it's the only Cavs mentioned we get. At least we do get one on. Now it's, this is across the Cavs. Yes, it is trade deadline day, but we did get Rajon Rondo a few weeks back. That is working out just not, just fine so far. More, more than fine with not getting Dennis Schroeder. Again, we'll talk about the Schroeder trade later. But you, you look at things, and you bring in Karis LeVert, a real playmaker. He does a lot of good things on the floor. He doesn't need to score 20, 25. It'll be nice if he does, but takes pressure off Karras. He can create shots for himself. He's a good ball mover as well. Kind of think of him as a little bit. He'll play do what Larry Nance did. He's not the, the, the number one ball handler, but he can make great passes. He can find cutters, can knock down the outside shot. So it'll be fine. I'm excited. I give the Pacers a C. Like, it's great that they get the pick, and I know they're losing, but they didn't get anything that'll help them right now. Look, they want to be bad. That's fine. But I have to view both sides to make you better now. And what does it do later? I mean, it's an F for right now. It's probably a, a B plus for the future. So C right in the middle. Give the fellas an A minus. Stinks you have to trade Rubio's contract. Just please resign this summer, man. We need you back. We want you back. That number three might not be available. Who knows? Everyone wears number three in Cleveland. If Dylan Wendler's Dylan Wendler's Yeah. Exactly. You know, if Dylan Wendler's not here, you get nine. If not, we'll see. But, Ricky, you don't have to keep changing your jersey number. Let's see what happens to you this summer. All right, Noah, the Pelicans and the Blazers. Pelicans acquiring C.J. McCollum, Tony Stone, our old pal Larry Nance, who will miss at least six weeks following surgery. Blazers bringing in Tomas Aronanski, who would then, I believe, would get flipped to the Spurs in a separate trade, which we'll get to. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker also getting flipped. So basically they end up well, – This is those guys got flipped in a separate trade. They have Joe Ingles and Elijah Hughes now, which I'll get to again. But they bring in Josh Hart, D.D. Luzada, who's already failed a drug test. Don't expect him to play there. And two future picks. Who do you like this trade for more? Do you like C.J. going to NOLA, or do you like some draft capital and Josh Hart plus a little salary shedding for Portland? 
How about a little bit of both? I, I honestly like this for both teams. So starting off uh, with the Blazers' perspective, this is a team that has already made it very clear that they do not plan on tanking. They plan on using pretty much all of their summer to build around Damian Lillard. We expect a guy like Anthony Simons is probably going to get extended. So, yeah, why not? You know, this year was a complete wash for Portland anyways. So giving up some valuable pieces and getting some draft capital and some money for next year, I think it's a great call for them. If, if, if they truly want to keep building around Damian Lillard, and I'm not going to say I agree or disagree with it, but if they want to keep doing that, then yeah, give them as much opportunity as they can as possible. And as for the Pelicans, I also love this deal because number one, this was a team that was desperate for a backcourt option. Their backcourt was pretty weak this year. So getting a guy like CJ McCollum who can score, he can pass, he can kind of do it all for them is a great addition. You look into the future where you compare these guys with, uh, or you can put CJ McCollum with Zion and Brandon Ingram. New Orleans, I'm not going to say they're going to be instant contenders, but this is a team that is making moves. And of course, getting a guy like Larry Nance in that deal too, I thought was unbelievable. I'm not really sure what his health, uh, with health situation is at right now, but knowing that when Larry Nance is on the court, he can be a variable, uh, a very valuable asset to any team, especially to New Orleans. So I really like this deal for both teams. I think New Orleans will probably keep their play-in spot. They probably won't go much farther than the play-in this year. Yep. But for next year, adding Zion Williamson to the mix, it could be pretty interesting. So overall, I'm I'm a big fan of what David Griffin's been doing since he's got there. Yeah, and pretty interesting is a great phrase because that's Russell Westbrook's trademark phrase. The one time he said it, he didn't move. And it's pretty interesting that that L.A. team that has a few of our old pals from Cleveland still did absolutely nothing. You know, that, that's, for, that's for later. We're going to get to that. But, yeah, I like a lot of what you said. Uh, Larry Nance will probably be back in mid to late March is what it seems like. So but as soon as he does, I'm sure he'll fit right in. You know, he's now been with Josh Hart. Oh, sorry, he got traded for Josh Hart. Scratch that. <laughs> um, he's in New Orleans. I think he brings good value to them. He can play multiple positions. Tony Snell, I don't even know what to expect. He was so bad for the Hawks in the playoffs. Even though he's a decent fundamental player, hasn't missed a free throw in three years. He doesn't really bring much. <laughs> he's just the throw-ins. Like, all right, you want Tony Snell? Okay, take Tony Snell. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, handshake. You want Tony? Fine. Uh, for I actually give Portland a B minus all in all because I really like Josh Hart, but you are trading. And yes, he was out, but you're trading. Also, the Nets just waved DeAndre Bembry, so we haven't even gotten to what they did yet. But there's an official move. So fear the fro ninety five becomes a free agent. So the only fro on a roster now is Jared Allen. Shut up. <laughs> um, I like Josh Hart a lot, but that's pretty much all you got. I don't know where these picks fall, what year they are, how heavily protected they are. If there's any protections, that's going to be tough with New Orleans being in a weird spot because if they don't get out of the plan, they still qualify as a lottery team. So we'll have to see. I will give them a B minus. Pelicans get an A minus, instant upgrade in the backcourt. You know, you got someone better to put next to Devontae Graham, CJ, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, JV, and you get Nance healthy. You know, maybe this is, this gives Trey Murphy another chance. You get rid of a guy like Sadoransky who is really not doing much for you. Alvarado's been playing well. Maybe you'll get some minutes next to CJ and can showcase a little more. You know, uh, and while Nance is out, you'll see more minutes from Jackson Hayes. I don't know how he's still playing with the charges that were brought on him a few weeks ago. And they haven't even made a statement on it, but I guess we'll find out. Um, they get an A minus. I like CJ. CJ's proven that he recovered from the long issue. And now he's back playing good ball. So I think that's a great move for the Pelicans, and I'm excited. And this takes us now to a trade involving a former Cav. It is a six-player trade involving not one Jeremy Lamb, but two Jeremy <laughs> Lambs. <laughs> we got the Kings and Pacers. I have neither team gets a great grade for this, despite top talent being moved to both sides. Noah, the Kings bringing in Justin Holiday, who started his first game. Jeremy Lamb, who played big minutes, a 20-27 second rounder in Sabonis. They ship off. Buddy healed. He was always going to be moved. And I was actually looking back at his Instagram. He has no post in a Kings uni, but he does have a post with an NBA sweatshirt while traveling. So I think that's hilarious. He wouldn't do wear his team's gear this year earlier. Tristan Thompson, old pal. I guess he's staying put. And then Tyrese Halliburton, I don't know why they traded him. Uh, well, what's more surprising here, Noah? The Kings making a move for Sabonis or the Kings actually trading 
second-year star, honestly, Tyrese Halliburton. It's 100% the Kings looking at their situation this year and saying, you know what, let's become buyers. It, it absolutely blows my mind. And maybe it's pressure from the, from the ownership, from the organization. From the, I don't know. But the Kings looked at this deadline and said, we are going to buy. Because here's the thing. Domitas Sabonis is a tremendous player. I, I, I'm a huge fan of him. And truthfully, I do believe he is currently right now the best player in that trade. So you got Sabonis. You cleared up your backcourt log jam because I know they really wanted to start giving more minutes to Davion Mitchell, just confusing that they get rid of Halliburton over maybe a guy like De'Aaron Fox. And they honestly got some decent depth too. As you said, that Sacramento made more than one trade already this, uh, today. That's, you know, getting a guy like DiVincenzo and, and Trey Lyles and blah, blah, blah. So they, they have decent depth now. But you question, why did they even think about buying, right? And not only did they buy, but they gave up their one prize possession in Tyrese Halliburton. Do we even know that this current Kings team is going to work? Like, they may not even make the play-in game. I still, I still think they're about two or three and a half games out of the play-in spot. Yep. I think Sabonis only has about two years left on his deal. You don't even know if Sabonis is going to be extended or not. It just... You know, I understand, fine, go try to swing for the fences, try to, to get a, a better roster, because I will say that their roster 48 hours ago is not as good as the roster is now. So, sure, they improved the roster a bit. Is it enough? Is it enough to give up a guy like Tyrese Halliburton? And the answer is absolutely no. It's, it's really not. You question if Fox and Sabonis are going to work well together. I know they looked great last night against Minnesota, but – I don't know. You know, Sacramento, they, they'll never stop shocking anyone with their very questionable decisions. And uh, this was definitely one of them. Yeah, this was weird, to, to say the least. I mean, I don't have any nice things to say for either team. I, I like your thoughts on Sabonis. He brings a lot. He's a great player, but we don't know what his future is. is he gonna, he's only 25. Does he even like Sacramento? He's not a rim protector, so now you're really – going to have some issues on defense if your perimeter d isn't good and your rim protection isn't good well you beat the timberwolves be allowed them to score 114 pretty comfortably i don't think i don't did, did d play last night real quick do we know did the deal play i uh yes i think he actually did i no, he think did. he did i'm okay i'm not 100 i'm pretty sure he also like hit a bunch of threes but okay I'm not okay sure on that but yeah minnesota is a weird team they should be in the plane regardless of what happens with the teams below them uh but you let them walk all over you, but you scored enough to win. The Kings have a very weird roster. I like the roster. I, I think Chemezi Metsu is a very interesting piece for them, but I don't like the makeup overall. You do bring in Justin Holiday, who can hit the three. He can defend. He's definitely what you'd call a guy who's been around the block and back with how many teams he's now been on. I might have been a king before. I don't know. He's been on a lot of teams twice. <laughs> Jeremy Lamb was pretty much riding the bench in Indy. I guess I don't know what he brings to you besides that one game-winning half-court shot for the Hornets that one time and being an 80 overall in 2K14 before he was actually good in the NBA. But, okay, Sabonis, obviously, on the other side. With the Pacers, you look at your long-term future. If Should you keep TJ McConnell next year? You have three ball handlers and Brogdon. And playmakers, too, Brogdon. Halliburton and McConnell's a very nice start. You did hold on to Miles Turner, so you want to keep your rim protector. You know, you give Jalen Smith, and I'll get to that in a second, you give him a look now to probably get some minutes, which he wasn't getting in Phoenix. He brings going to bring a lot of good pedigree playing with guys like Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, who have had some incredible NBA success among I mean, being on the best team for two years. Not a bad way to start. We'll see now how he does seen a lot of guys do well and do bad poorly in those situations, but I'm giving the Pacers a C because you get your young stud, but you do give up some bonus while holding on to some other pieces. You probably could have moved. And I just, I don't. And again, my thinking here, just like with Karis Levert, you're not getting better right now. You're not getting any picks out of this. I know you got one in the other trade. But let's see, if Halliburton can do enough to lead them to some wins this year, then by all means, they'll prove me wrong. It would be a B plus, A minus. Buddy Heald's going to be a good shooter, but I don't know. It stinks he's still not going to – it's going to be another year where Josh Hart and Buddy Heald are probably still yet to play in a playoff game. Neither one ever has, and let's see if they ever do. But Tristan is Tristan. I like him, but he's pretty washed, so – 
C plus for the I, Kings. I do this. want to add one thing to the Pacers. Sorry. Sure. Um, go ahead. I, I will say this. So I know you're not super high on this deal for Indiana. And I know that you mentioned that they have their ball handlers now with Halliburton and Brogdon and McConnell. I'm not really sure where the future is with Brogdon. I understand, you know, he has injury issues. And when he's on the court, he's a walking 50, 40, 90. He is an incredible player. The one thing that stands out for Indiana, I really think this potential backcourt of the future of Halliburton and Duarte is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And I personally believe Indiana is in a great position to build around those two guys. I really do. So I know you're not as high on the trade for uh, on an Indiana perspective. I, I actually really like this deal because I think that could be a backcourt that could do a lot of great things uh, very, very shortly down the road. Funnily enough, Duarte is the same age as Sabonis, maybe give or take a year, but he is a very talented guy who got a lot of experience pre-NBA for the NBA. Uh, and yeah, it'll definitely be fun to watch moving forward. And they could probably move Brogdon for starting caliber three. Who knows what's the TJ Warren ever touches an NBA court again, gets beef with Jimmy Butler, scores 50 once, and just disappears off the face of the earth. So I don't and even he know. Loves Indiana. He Does loves he? Indiana. He's, yeah, I, I think I think he even said earlier this year that he wants to be in Indiana. So he's clearly yeah. really happy in the situation. I, I think that's what he said. Oh, that's cool. Maybe he can uh, – maybe if – I don't know if he has kids. If he has a son, maybe he can become an AAU coach who wants to stay in Indiana. He ain't keeping a <laughs> roster spot. He ain't keeping a roster spot. Oh, maybe – you know, maybe it could be a Parks and Rec situation where he just finds a job there. He gets reassigned, and he'll just, but he, he wants to stay. I don't even know. I like him a lot. Let's see. Regardless, now we'll go through, I'll go through the next five moves. Then we're going to bring you back in, Noah, for the biggest move. And, again, feel free to comment along the way with any of these. Three-team deal, uh, Blazers, Jazz, and Spurs. Blazers get Joe Ingles and Elijah Hughes. Jazz getting... Juancho Hernan Gomez, who was a spur for a few weeks, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Spurs getting Tomas Sadoransky and a second-round pick. There's really not much here. I think for Portland, you get – well, actually, I don't really know. Elijah Hughes brings a little value. He, maybe he'll play. I don't know. Bledsoe's taking a couple DNP CDs. I wonder if he's going to get bought out or what's happening there. Uh, Ingles won't play this year, but again, maybe it's a situation where he wants to come back. We've seen guys traded while out for the year before and then actually stay with that team. One example would be Andrew Bogut. A bit of a different situation because he was actually the centerpiece of a real trade. It was Monte Ellis pretty much for Andrew Bogut. Warriors and Bucks would elevate them to title contenders, even though he didn't play until the next season. So I don't think Ingles is staying in Portland, but if he hangs out with, I don't know if he's going to hang out with the team or rehab it at home, if he's staying in Utah. Because he got traded but isn't going to play, I don't know if he actually reports. Couldn't tell you for Utah. I don't, I don't love Alexander Walker. He's pretty hit or miss, but he has some great games every now and then. So maybe he gives Jordan Clarkson a second legitimate bench option. Hernan Gomez, if you need to play him while Rudy Gay is out, like he is right now, he can give you some threes. Let's not forget. The 73 and nine Warriors once let the Nuggets go like 140, a couple like five or six years ago. And Wancho, I think, hit nine threes in that game. He's capable. His brother, Guillermo, I think is a little better. He's he's in New Orleans still. Uh, so the Spurs did nothing. This is a C, just an average, no gain, no loss. Gives you top B. You trade an injured guy and the guy that wasn't panning out for you that well for the young piece who can play now and Wancho Portland gets a C plus because they only traded guys that they just got nothing. All right. No words on this trade. Okay. See in Miami. Okay. Z Akpala for a 2026 second rounder. Anyone that sticks around Miami for more than one year, you'd probably think is a in great shape and B offers some form of value. So maybe KZ gets minutes. The Thunder I'm shocked. Didn't move Derek favors or anybody uh, really. So I was surprised. I thought he'd for sure be moved because the, the rotations make absolutely no sense. I'm still learning the players on their roster, and I check every box score every night all season. So I'm not sure what they did by not doing, and the Heat get a 2026 second-round pick. Fancy. Heat get a C, Thunder get a C-plus because they actually get a new player. Here's a weird one. Four-team trade. 
Pistons, Kings, Bucks, Clippers. It took about 10 minutes for all these details to be tweeted. And I think three different reporters had them all. No one had every single detail. It also had the most notorious typo of the day. Two of them. Pistons acquire Marvin Bagley. Kings get Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, and a happy 25th birthday to you today, Josh Jackson. Bucks get two second-round picks, Cash and Sergi Baca. Clippers get Rodney Hood and Shemi Ojale. So it does not appear anyone from this trade is getting moved, waived, or bought out. Clippers get a C. Ojale brings good defense to the table. He probably won't play with all the forwards they have. Rodney Hood got traded to the Raptors last deadline and brought them absolutely positively nothing. I don't think this is any different. C. Bucks get Sergi Baca and two second rounders. I give them a solid B because in order to do that, you have to part with the guy who was supposed to be part of your championship core who is still working his way back from injury, then suffered a re-injury after his first game, Dante DiVincenzo. They'll still get a B because they add a veteran big that's probably an upgrade over DeMarcus Cousins in Sergi Baca, even whatever form he's in. His minutes have been spotty for the Clippers all year. Uh, I'll give the Pistons a C. I mean, Marvin Bagley? I don't, I don't know what he does. I still don't know if he's even good or just terrible because they'll have a few good games. Luke Walton did not like him, so he didn't play until Alvin Gentry took over. So I don't, I don't even know what the situation here is. But okay, nice. I guess you get another high draft pick. And the Kings, I'll give them a B plus. I don't think apparently Trey Lyles is really bad. That's what Pistons Twitter says. So Josh Jackson is Josh Jackson, and Divincenzo gives you a nice, good player that brings positive culture from Milwaukee within the Sacramento. So full grades, Clippers C, Kings B plus, Bucks B, Pistons C. Two more trades, and we got the big ones coming. Raptors and Spurs. Raptors get Thad Young, and they just waived Drew Eubanks. Spurs get Goran Dragic and a lottery-protected 2022 second rounder. As we see now, this trade was to open up space for their next trade, taking on Goran Dragic. They do get a pick for their troubles, and it looks like the Raptors will make the playoffs, so the pick will convey to San Antonio. Raptors get Thad. They finally get a player for their bench, which only has Delano Banton, Precious Achua, and Chris Boucher as the guys getting minutes. So they will add someone else. They didn't add any guards, which I think is a mistake, but A-. minus. Goron wasn't playing. You don't need that pick. Spurs get a C. Again, they, they just didn't bring anything in. Besides that pick, maybe a C plus. All right. We had Celtics and Magic, no grades. Celtics cleared money, and the Magic got injured P.J. Dozier and everyone's favorite 25th man, Bull Bull. Well, hit potential someday, maybe. I don't know. Will he ever gain a pound? I don't know. Is he trying? I don't know if there's actually a reason he's still the exact same weight after three years. I don't know if he knows what a gym is. All I know is that he makes shots when there's one minute left in games and people call him the future. And the Nuggets said he was number one on the draft board despite taking him 45th overall. So there's a lot of mixed signals when it comes to Bull Bull. Thankfully, he's not a Cav uh, because I just think that would be a waste of a roster space. I don't know if he's going to ever play for the Magic. I hope P.J. Dozier goes back to Denver when all is said and done, where he was very good in the conference finals of the bubble and then the year after last season before getting hurt early, unfortunately. All right, Noah, bringing you back. Big trade, the beard for the Invisible Man and some other guy. The Invisible Man is named Ben Simmons. He's lost $14 million this year, but he's on a team he might play. What do you think of this, of this deal? I think this is wild that uh, within the last week, James Harden, nothing. Now he's going to get traded, and now he's with Daryl Morey again. Yeah, we've we've been expecting this deal to happen, not just over the last few weeks, not just the last few months, but the last few years. Really, ever since Maury took the Sixers job, we have been anticipating that there would be some sort of Simmons-Harden type deal, and it finally happened. I think this was honestly, my, my first takeaway from this trade was a huge, huge thumbs up to Philly. The fact how they somehow kept uh, Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thybul in this deal while getting James Harden. I think that was a huge, huge win, especially Thibault, because we know that there was 
sort of a lot of delay with this deal happening. And apparently it had to come down to whether Thibel was going to be part of the deal or not. And somehow the Sixers were able to convince the Nets to take two first round picks instead. I'm sure those picks will be fine. But having a guy like Matisse Thibel for the Sixers, given them being in the Eastern Conference with so many great wing scorers, when you talk about in a playoff series, you want to have Matisse Thibel cover those top guys. So I think keeping him was obviously huge. So I think this was obviously an amazing deal for Philly. You get James Harden, you have your prize possession, you put him with Embiid. I think they're going to be fantastic together. The one question for me is, are the secondary scorers of Philly going to be enough, right? That's Tobias Harris. We have, we've seen Tobias Harris have some great games this year. So can Tobias Harris keep it up as the number three? We talk about the shooting with, you've got, you got Ferk, you got Danny Green, Tyrese Maxey, Shake Milton when he comes back. So those are decent shooters. Can it be enough to win in the East? It's it's possible. I think it's really possible. I'm not going to go ahead and make my my uh, prediction right now because I want to see how Philly plays together as a team with James Harden and Joel Embiid. But I do expect them to be obviously very talented. And I think overall, my biggest takeaway was the fact how the Sixers were able to get this done while still holding on to Tyrese Maxey and Thibel because I think that was brilliant for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And now you bring in James Harden, a familiarity with the GM. I don't I don't know what he thinks of Doc Rivers. I do know that James Harden is responsible for Doc's first blown upset ever, the first 3-1. Um, well, not, not game five. That was the bench of Josh Smith and Corey Brewer because of Corey and Terrence Jones. But And then they did win two more games to get to a conference finals unexpectedly. Um, and, you know, you, you take a look at things and you see – he comes in with Paul Millsap. That's it. They ship out a few guys. Obviously, he'll step into Seth's starting spot. You're going to have a Maxi Harden, Tybal, Harris, and B lineup, I believe. Unless, right? Would that be That's correct, right? They've been starting Matisse over Danny Green. Yeah. There we are. Yep, yeah, yeah. There we are. And I think that's great. I think that, you know, all in all, they gave up a lot. But when you think about the lineup they have, I'm giving them a B, plus, not an A, because you did have to sacrifice a lot. Now let's go to Brooklyn. And by the way, Paul Millsap, probably just a slight upgrade over George Niang as backup big. Maybe they'll both play. I don't know. They don't have a second center, so I assume they'll hit the buyout market for that. Unless they – I think they have Charlie Brown. I'm sorry, not him. Uh, Bassey. They have uh, Bassey. So they do have Charlie Brown, but they have Bassey. I don't know that he'll play. I don't – they should definitely – maybe they can get Drew Eubanks if he's good enough. Probably not. They'll find someone. We have the Nets. They got Seth. They got a guy we don't like anymore in Cleveland, Andre Drummond. Ben Simmons and two first rounders. And don't call me crazy here, but I give them a B minus and I'll explain it and go to you. That's a lot of assets. That's great. The two picks don't help them win right now. However, that'll help them after the season. If things go awry this summer, good. Andre Drummond. I really don't like, we saw him on a good team in the playoffs last year. What do you do for the Lakers? He was awful, awful. Seth Curry brings great shooting to the table. He's a lot, especially while Joe Harris remains out. There's not, there is a chance he won't come back this year. He's like, if you have to get another option on your ankle after this long, there's a good chance things are very much not going according to schedule. And we don't know when Ben Simmons actually debuts. All this means is that the Nets are still going to be playing home games without a, uh, without a star because Kyrie can't play there and Durant's not healthy. So this still means a lot of losing right now. So, yeah, that's why I give it a B minus. No, what do you think? Interesting. That's that's definitely one way to look at it. I wasn't really looking at it like that, but I think your breakdown definitely sort of made me realize that the Nets right now at this moment probably aren't going to improve much. They're on a, what, a seven or eight game losing streak. And nine games. Nine games. They're nine. Oh, my goodness. Nine game losing streak. And they have completely fallen right down to the play in game in the Eastern <laughs> Conference. And yep. it honestly may seem like they'll keep falling. But but I do still like this deal a lot. I think I sort of question, you know, when you have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons all on the court at the same time, how is it going to work? I'm not 100% sure, but I know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are two of the most gifted scorers I have ever seen. And Ben Simmons is an incredible facilitator. So I think it can work. But also when you surround this team with some unbelievable shooting, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, obviously you mentioned Joe Harris. I think if Joe Harris can somehow, he's probably not going to come back this year, but if he can somehow return 
back to his old form with this Nets team next year, for example. I mean, Seth Curry and Joe Harris are two of the most efficient three-point shooters in this league. So that would be absolutely deadly. You have a young guy like Cam Thomas. Listen, I, I, I think this was a better situation for Ben Simmons, obviously. I mean, you can't really get much worse than what he was dealing with in Philly this year. Yep. You surround him around two incredible players with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think if they can somehow figure out how all three can coexist on the floor at the same time, this team is going to be unbelievable. Why? Because Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant are all incredible players. The question is, can they all coexist? That's the big, big question for me. So we'll have to wait and see and when they eventually all get on the court. But overall, yeah, they got two first-round picks. Like you said, that's going to help them in a few years. You get an unbelievable shooter like Seth Curry. You're pairing them with other great shooters on this team. I'm not sure what Brooklyn will look like at the end of this year, but moving forward for next year, Brooklyn will instantly be one of the favorites, I would assume. Yeah, Oh, no question about it. Now we'll see how it all does pan out. And the Cavs thought to play the Sixers four times. So yippity doo yippity a to that. Hooray. No, I'm not excited. We'll see. I, I think we could take two of those games. I still you think – thank you. Appreciate that from a Celtic fan. And I'll, and I'll <laughs> say this, as you probably want to see the Sixers lose more than us, which is understandable. Yes, um, exactly. And also, I'll, I'll say this as my final line. Before I declare the Sixers winners of anything – Let's just remember that a lineup of Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Roko Harris, and Embiid, which pretty much had anything you could want on defensively, you have shooting, you have everything you need, still failed in the playoffs. I know they saw Kawhi, but they were a better team than the Raptors. It took seven games, and they fell short because of a crazy shot, but they fell short, okay? So if the Sixers don't do it this year, Harden did already opt in, so it's not going to be like last time. I don't think it's going to have any issues here, but like Jimmy, did, Jimmy left. He's not leaving, but they have to make the finals this year for this to be worth it. If you think about what they gave up, which is pretty much just picks and a guy that wasn't going to play, but still that's, that's my takeaway. And now let's finally get to talk about your Celtics. I know you shed some tears. I would have too, if I'm a Celtics fan, but it's not because they traded Josh Richardson in a first rounder. It's because they traded Romeo Langford. They do get Derek white, my quick grades. You could do the analysis. I like Derek White a lot. He brings a lot to the table. I think he's making about 15 or 16 mil a year. Maybe it's 20. It's not that much. He's a combo guard. He can score 20 for you. He can dish out the assists very well when he's playing point. I think he had a 13 or 14 assist game this year. And he's good. You know, he, he's, he's a hard-nosed guy. Just, just stay healthy. He brings a lot. You ship out Josh Richardson, who shot over eight the other night. He plays great D, but doesn't score as well as White. You didn't need that pick. You have enough guys sitting on the bench that are first-round picks already. And Langford, well, take it away. Yeah, I like, like I said earlier in the podcast, I was definitely upset because I wanted to hold on to Josh Richardson. I felt like he was really coming into his own over the last few months in Boston. But getting a guy like Derek White is 100% worth it. Like you said, the pick is – the Celtics don't need this pick. Right now, this team needs to be focusing on making Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as happy as they can and building around them. And getting unproven rookies is not going to do that. They're not going to make them a contender. So definitely happy that Brad Stevens is taking the opposite of the Danny Ainge route and is just giving picks away. So thank, thank you, thank you, uh, Brad Stevens, for that. But Derek White is going to be a huge help for this team. I I'm going to bring up something very interesting. So Derek White is shooting about. 32% from three this year. He's struggling from three. Last year, he shot about 47, 48% on corner threes, which is very interesting. But Grant Williams one special. stat, exactly. But one stat I'm going to mention right now, uh, Josh Richardson last year shot about 32% on catch and shoot threes. This year, he was able to elevate that to 40%. Evan Fournier, when he, right before he, he came to the Celtics last year, he was shooting about 36% on catch and shoot threes. He was able to elevate that to 55%. Derek White seems to be like he is in a great situation where he's going to have a lot of opportunities to hit a lot of open shots. Something tells me he's going to shoot a lot higher than 32% on catch and shoot, which he's currently at right now. So I do believe Derek White is going to refine his shooting form. I think in terms of defense, you're probably not going to find a better defensive backcourt than Marcus Smart and Derek White. I think they're two of the best on-ball defenders in the league. And talking about the Celtics issues this year, they've been pretty much competitive in almost every single game. And then you get to the fourth quarter and everything sort of just falls apart. And they'll go on long, long scoring droughts. 
And I feel like a lot of that was because the lineup situations weren't 100%. It's obviously gone a lot better over the last month or so because they've been playing their starting four, which is Smart, Tatum, Brown, Rob Williams. And then they'll usually either have Grant Williams or Josh Richardson in there uh, for situations. So it has gone better. It's a lot better than throwing Dennis Schroeder out there and having Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart both sit in the corners when they're not great shooters at all. So bringing in a guy like Derek White is really going to help them, especially closing out games. And yeah, again, you know, the money situation, he's he's got a lot of flexibility and, you know, isn't worth too much. And on the Spurs side, I will say this. I Listen, I love Josh Richardson. I love Romeo Langford. I saw this on Twitter somewhere. Someone said, Knowing Greg Popovich, he's probably going to turn Romeo Langford into the next Kawhi Leonard, which honestly I, I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> because that, that that's a guy who has been slowly improving his offensive game and is a very solid defensive piece and it has got great size and athleticism. So would not be shocked. But overall, in the Celtics outlook, this was a very, very good trade for them because they added a much better ball handler than Dennis Schroeder. Derek White, I think, is in the top 10 in pick and roll uh, passing. So he's a much better ball handler. He's a much better shooter. He's a much better defender. He's ultimately a major upgrade from Dennis Schroeder. So as a Celtics fan, I have to be very happy about that. Yeah. So we'll see if all in all, he proves to be a better midseason acquisition than Fournier was for the team. Honestly, <laughs> they'll play very different roles than one another. And I don't expect Derek White to don the 94, like we saw Evan do last year, but also will be cool. And I didn't realize it until you were mid Sense that he reunites with Ime Udoka by coming to the Celtics. So I think that'll be pretty cool that, you know, he gets his old coach, his old associate head coach. Sure. And so we got a few more trades still to get to. We have one more big breakdown. The rest are pretty minor, all in all. Pacers and Suns. Suns get their old friend, Tory Craig. He was one of three players reacquired by the team he played for last season. Pacers get Jalen Smith in a second rounder. B for both sides. Pacers, you had nothing to lose. Trade him. Get Jalen Smith. He was a top 12 pick. See what he brings. You get a second rounder for your troubles. You got a lot of picks today if you're Indiana. Suns get Torrey Craig. Cool? Cool. Yeah, B's for both. Wizards and Hornets. We didn't see P.J. Washington move, but we did see Vernon Carey. Old Duke, big man. That was go-to school. Hey, no. Vernon Carey's not going anywhere. Uh, he's not going to play a minute on the Wizards either. They get him and Ish Smith. Uh, I, I guess Ish Smith, the, the two were two trades away from talking about the starting point guard getting moved. So now Ish Smith and Owl Neto are reunited in the Wizards backcourt because that's just what Wizards fans wanted. Uh, they get a second rounder in Vernon Carey and Ish. Hornets, great job to get Montrez Harrell. They finally have a second big they can trust. Although, not that it matters, and maybe I look at this wrong. I see Plumlee and Washington are doing okay, but They've also lost six in a row. I don't know whose minutes Harold gets, or if you add to the rotation, you take away from Oubre. Because Montrez is very bad when he's not playing center. So I, I don't know where the minutes go, but it is an A- minus because you brought him in. You know, you're going to have to figure things out with him this summer because he's a free agent again. But I like him. He's six-man of the year candidate for a few years. Great with the Clippers. Not so good on the Lakers. They didn't even play him. Imagine if, imagine if last year's Lakers, who were sitting all those decent players, had them now. Whew. Y'all messed up. You didn't even get anybody new. We're going to the buyout market. Who's on the buyout market? You already got Stanley Johnson off the buyout market. He's your only good acquisition you're going to end up with for the whole season. Pretty much. No other. And Malik Monk. That's it. Every other new guy. No. Unless you want to count Taylor Horton Tucker as new because he's playing a brand new role. Who knows? Anyway. C for the Wizards because they drop a center and add nothing of real value. No disrespect to Ish Smith, but I don't know what he brings to a team that probably aren't going to make the playoffs anymore. They have like seven forwards and no good guards because Beal's out for the year and you traded Dinwiddie. Good luck with that backcourt, uh, Wes Unsell. Yeah, all right. Suns and Wizards, Aaron Holiday to Phoenix. Wizards get crickets. They get crickets because we still don't know what they got. Um yeah, I, I still have no idea, but apparently DeAndre Ayton wanted the team to draft down Aaron Holiday after they drafted him a couple of years ago, so that's cool. Uh, a, a Holiday brother, well, we can, we could have a Holiday Holiday Finals if we get a rematch of last year, which would be also cool. While Justin rots in Sacramento, <laughs> and then one more trade to get to. No, I'll bring you in for this, and we'll go in depth on the Wizards trade and wrap up. 
Celtics trading Dennis Schroeder, Ennis Freedom, who's now a free agent, got waived. She's on waivers and Bruno Fernando to Houston. They bring back Daniel Tice. Now, will he actually get minutes in his return to Boston? It's possible. It is possible because I think the Celtics were sort of playing a bit of Ennis Ennis Freedom, sorry, uh, a little bit here and there. But then because he doesn't really offer too much anymore, they sort of shied away from it. So Tice, if anything, will be a very solid number three big uh, in behind Robert Williams and Al Horford and even Grant Williams was playing sometimes, uh, you know, at the small ball big. So not hundred percent sure if he's going to play, but you may get a few minutes here and there. And obviously I think in terms of the locker room, they all love Daniel Tice. So, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a significant move, but overall he, he may see a few minutes here or there, or maybe some injury insurance, something like that. But anyways, it's a massive upgrade over Ennis Freenum and Bruno Fernando. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and talk about the point guard room in Houston. It is very weird. They got Kevin Porter Jr., who's a pretty much a conver- still a converted point guard, along with DJ Augustine, John Wall, and Dennis Schroeder. John Wall's not seeing the court. DJ Augustine's not seeing the court. And now you have Dennis Schroeder as a backup on a team that's lottery bound again. Dennis definitely leaving. I don't know what. It's like when they got a Linux last year, he balled out, got himself a contract. Maybe Dennis can do the same. I don't even know how many he's gonna how many minutes he's gonna get. Plus, they held on to Eric Gordon. I don't know what happened there. Also shocked the Magic didn't trade anybody. They only waived each one more. So they have Gary Harris and Terrence Ross still. A lot of teams. Like we have one more trade to go through, and there's a lot of there's a decent number of moves. We've been on about 40 minutes, but there's some teams that absolutely made a mistake by not making a move. And it's not easy to be a GM. I don't know how it works, but you have one job. They're paying you a lot of money. Make your team better. You didn't do it. Oops. Okay. Well, I don't know who gets better in this trade. So I'm going to go to you here, Noah, the Mavericks trading Luka Doncic's best friend. And he's obviously heartbroken by this one. Kristaps Porzingis <laughs> and the Wizards trading Davis Bertans. Anyone that's in DC may have gone to a religious place and said, thank you for helping us get rid of Davis Bertans with how bad he's been. And also Spencer Dinwiddie, who tried to insert himself as a leader in Washington, and they said no. So what do we think of this trade? Oh, God. This was, uh, this was certainly a trade where I look at both sides, more specifically in Dallas' side, and say, why did you do this? Now, I understand Dallas was potentially, they were rumored to get Drogic. I don't know if they were looking for another ball handler. I was a huge Spencer Didwitty fan when he was in Brooklyn. Obviously, it does seem like he's still slowly recovering from his injury that he dealt with last year because he's not even close to what he looks like in Brooklyn. Like you said, Bertons, I mean, as soon as he got that big extension, he just sort of, I, 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 everything just sort of fell out of place for him. Why did Dallas do, why did they have to give up Porzingis? Now, I know a lot of people have a lot of different opinions when it comes to Porzingis. I just don't understand why Dallas needed to do this trade and give up someone like Chris Stapps. To me, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think personally, Jalen Brunson is a much better option than Spencer Dinwiddie. So again, I, I I follow a few guys on Twitter that that cheer for the Mavs and tweet about them. They couldn't believe it either. They they were just as shocked as as me. So yeah, I I don't understand why Dallas did this. I hope to find out more information about it. As for Washington, sure you get Porzingis. I don't know what he'll be ne- next year if he'll even be on the team or not. If he is, then sure we'll see how that fits with Hachimura. And Thomas Bryant, and you don't know if Bradley Beal is even going to be there or not next year because there's potential that he could get traded. I'm not 100% sure. Either way, this deal just made no sense to me. I'm not not sure why either of these teams did this deal. More specifically, why did Dallas do this? I don't think they needed to give up Porzingis to get those two two guys. I think they probably could have filled their, their needs in the buyout market. But instead... Yeah, they have Dinwiddie and Bertons now, and they gave up Porzingis for it. So we'll yeah. see how that works. Yeah, so I only have I have I give decent grades to both sides, even though it makes no sense. But I do have two issues, one for each team. My issue with Dallas, you still haven't decided yet on paying Jalen Brunson. If you think Dinwiddie's a better option, then okay, that's cool, I guess. 
coming his year back hasn't been too impressive i'd rather have brunson this year for sure somebody it was only good with bradley beal out which pretty much was the same with the nets he's only good if he's a top two option he ain't winning jack diddly scrap if spencer dimwitty's top two option especially with how competitive the league has been this year so yeah all right good luck to you there dallas pretty much probably just trade KP because of the fallout with Doncic. And part of that issue came from Rick Carlisle, but they still weren't exactly close. Maybe you just want to keep him happy. He's already signed his extension, but we don't know he's going to play his whole career that I like Dirk. We don't know what's going to happen. Things change every year. We didn't expect hard. We didn't expect the Nets to blow this up 13 months later. Well, not, they didn't blow it up, but you know what I mean? They retooled. They Mm -hmm. got rid of one of the big three. Obviously the state, of the world playing a big part in that because Kyrie making his choice, that's his decision, but it does affect the chemistry. Durant was fine with it. Obviously the number 13 was not. And I know that I was reading that that was part of it, which makes sense, but we're not going to read it till after he's gone because they keep it tight to the vest. So be it. But I mean, all right, he's gone. So that's that trade. And just finishing up with this one. I mean, on the wizard side, Denny, Rui, Kuz, Gafford, Bryant, Kristaps. I mean, I guess they have no guards, so they can go super big. But good luck figuring out your rotation. And honestly speaking, they should have tried to find a way to bring Garrison Matthews back because they lost Bradley Beal, and he's been a stud on the Rockets. He doesn't need those minutes as much as some other players there do. Also, please buy out David Nawaba. David Nawaba, come to Cleveland. That's just another fierce guy who's sitting on the bench for no reason after dealing with a lot of injuries. So please get free wall. Free Nawaba. I don't really care what happens to DJ Augustine. He had that. He's had a couple of good moments. I think he had the game winning three for Orlando against Toronto a couple of years ago in, in game one. Then they lost four straight. But yeah. All right. So, folks, that is the trade deadline show. This was episode 99 of Across the Cavs. The next time you hear, good evening. I'm Zach. This is da da da. That's episode 99. It's going to be number 100. Rather, Noah, pleasure to have you on and talk trades. And uh, share confusion in the minds of these 30 people that determine our feelings for this whole week. Yeah, it was always, it's always a pleasure to come on with you and talk about basketball, anything like that. It's always great to reconnect, especially when it's the trade deadline, one of our favorite days of the year. So absolute pleasure to be on here with you. Absolutely, Noah. And we will probably go back to doing the NBA finals. We're a long way away. Let's just hope. Let's hope we get a if we get a Cavs Celtics conference final. Actually, that's not going to be possible with Howard. I, I was about I was about to say that. Let's let's you know. Hopefully, if those two teams meet in the conference finals, we'll have a little discussion about that. Uh, it seems a little doubtful, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we've seen crazier things happen, like Tyrese Halliburton getting traded. So who knows? Who knows what happens? As they say, on anything goes, anything goes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it for this edition of Across the Cast. For Noah Nightingale, I am Zach Weiss. We'll see you next Thursday night, similar time, with Tim Alcorn for episode number 100. If you want to do some quick math, that is Baron Davis plus Anthony Bennett plus Kevin Love, 85 and 15 and 0 equals 100. Till then, hope you enjoyed the pod. Subscribe, like, share, or don't. Nah, you should. Everyone do that. We'll see you next time.